was not a normal day, and I didn't look like that at all. I didn't even look like an ex-Marine. My hair and eyebrows were darkened, and in my cheeks were rolls of cotton which made my face puffy, as if I had been beaten up. Besides which, I had been beaten up twice. I was a mess. I took another step toward the coffin, oozing perspiration, and more of the dead man came into view. I could see his white hands folded across his thick middle. I still hadn't seen what I had come here to see, and I wasn't even sure that I would be able to see it when I stood right next to the coffin. But if it was there, I had to get it somehow. At least I had to try. I couldn't afford to stop as I walked by the casket, but I stepped close to it and slowed enough so that I could look carefully into it while pretending to gaze at the dead man's face. And I saw what I came here to see. On this side of the casket, shoved down between the dead man and the white silk, were the edges of some white papers. If I hadn't been looking for them, I wouldn't have seen them against the silk. But there they were. So there was still hope. In this case, where there was death, there was hope. I let out my breath with a sigh that must have been heard in the back row of the chapel. And then I walked by. It was like leaving my teeth to leave those papers there, but it couldn't be helped. I walked from the chapel into the adjoining room, stopped, and glanced around. Several men had preceded me here, but only two of them were in sight, the others having apparently gone out front. I racked my brain, trying to think of some way I could get my hands on those papers before the funeral procession started. The two men stared at me, curiously, it seemed. I swallowed, bent my head, and fumbled for a cigarette lit it. The men went out the front door. That left me alone in here, and I made up my mind heading for the rear of the funeral home. I walked down a dim hall, past a long narrow table in the center, of which was a large vase of freshly white calla lilies, and then on to the back door. The organ music was fainter here, throbbing on the air like a soft pulse, and the air seemed wonderfully clear and fresh as I stepped into the shaded rear yard of McGann's. An enormous pepper tree shaded the green grass, and a few of the small narrow leaves dotted the white driveway bisecting the lawn. A gray cement walk led from the back door to the wide white driveway ten feet away, and on that drive, its rear toward me and the twin doors already opened wide, waited the hearse. It was a gleaming black Cadillac as clean and shiny as a general's boots. In a few minutes, the coffin and its burden would be placed in it for the ten-minute drive to Woodstream Cemetery, a small and expensive graveyard laved by the breath of orange blossoms, according to the local radio and TV commercials, from the extensive diamonds and groves which bordered it on three sides. My throat was dry. It had been dry for half an hour or more now, thirty minutes that seemed to have been fashioned from a longer time, the kind you knew as a kid when a day lasted half of forever. The driver of the hearse leaned against the front fender of the Cadillac, smoking a cigar. Two other men, both large and very unpleasant to look upon, stood several yards to my right, where the driveway entered Forest Street. That was where the hearse would go to Forest, and then left to the cemetery. Nobody else was in sight. Most of the men would be already in their cars out front, waiting for the procession to start. The hearse driver was staring at me. I ducked my head down as I dragged on my cigarette, watching the man from under my artificially darkened eyebrows. 
He looked familiar, and in a second I placed him. Zipper Gray, so-called because of the way he zipped around dirt tracks in stock race cars and through traffic driving getaway cars for members of the mob. He had probably been recruited specially for today's five-mile track. Nothing was too good for the boss. Zipper was frowning a little, his mouth half open as he eyeballed me. There was no question about it. That look on his chops was the look of a man saying, Who's that ape? I know I seen that ape before. No doubt words to that effect were passing through Zipper's little brain. At least they would be moving slowly. Zipper's IQ was about equal to the average daily temperature in Siberia. Zipper raised a hand and pointed a finger at me, his mouth dropping even further open. My heart gave a great thud and squirted blood everywhere through me. I dropped my cigarette and started to reach...